Anticipation. The king is coming. Anticipation is the name of a song that Carly Simon wrote and sang way back in 1971. If you're not familiar with the song, it, it's, got a, it's actually had quite a bit of playtime uh, on radio stations, but you may remember it because it was used in a Heinz a ketchup commercial. And uh, the, I think the thought is that the ketchup pours out so slowly that you have to anticipate it. And uh, it's kind of a catchy tune. And uh, don't worry, uh, I'm not going to try to sing it. Uh, if you ever really want to hear it, just look it up. Anticipation. Five syllables. That's a pretty gutsy call to pick a five-syllable word as the title of your song. So I got to thinking, how many other songs have five syllables in their title? So I looked it up. It's sort of like a Jeopardy uh, category, I guess. Uh, One-word song titles with five syllables. And uh, of the ten songs that popped up, uh, I only saw uh, one song that I even recognized. And guess what it was? Yes, it was anticipation. Anticipation is the best way to describe the mood of the Jewish people as Jesus approached Jerusalem on Palm Sunday so long ago. Anticipation had been building for many years. The Jewish people had been under the brutal thumb of the Roman Empire for over 100 years now. They longed for freedom. They longed for their own national independence. They longed for freedom of religion to be able to worship God the way they had been told to worship God. So anticipation had been building for many years, and anticipation was building even more. Now, because some three years ago, John the Baptist had blazed bright in the wilderness and called the people of Israel to repentance. Huge crowds gathered to hear him. And many were baptized in response to John's message. John called the people to repentance and John told them that something much greater than himself was about to appear. Good news, the Messiah, the Lamb of God was about to appear. And then Jesus did appear. He began his ministry. Huge crowds began to follow him. They listened to his sermons. They listened to his parables, true stories of thousands of people being miraculously fed at the same time. Lepers being healed. The blind received their sight. Anticipation? Oh, yes. Many Jesus people believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And they are looking at him with great anticipation now as he approaches the gates of Jerusalem. So, turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. So, we'll turn there, Luke 19, verses 28 through 40. And we'll read the gospel account now of Palm Sunday, so many years ago. Luke 19, here we go. 28 through 40. Hear the word of the Lord. When he had said these things... He went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. 
As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples and said, Go into the village ahead. As you enter it, you will find a young donkey tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it to me. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say this, the Lord needs it. Verse 32. So those who were sent left and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the young donkey, its owner said to them, why are you untying the donkey? The Lord needs it, they said. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their clothes on the donkey, they helped Jesus get on it. As he was going along, they were spreading their clothes on the road. As he came down the path, down the Mount of Olives, and the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. And then they, in unison, began to quote Psalm 118. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell them, I tell you, if, if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Anticipation? Oh yeah. For real. Rhonda and I now have had the, um, the, the special privilege of um, walking the streets of Jerusalem twice now, and we hope to return soon. I, I can only tell you how I look forward to uh, that great privilege of being able to be in the city of the great God, Jerusalem. Last year, we stood on the Mount of Olives And we looked across the Kidron Valley, up towards the Eastern Gate, and the Golden Walls of Jerusalem. Quite a view. We prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then, like Jesus, we began the journey down into the Kidron Valley, and then up to the city of Jerusalem. Oh, how we anticipate being in Jerusalem again. And oh... How the Jewish people anticipated the Messiah. So that's the mood. That's the atmosphere, the spirit, just in Jerusalem and actually outside of Jerusalem, moving into Jerusalem now on Palm Sunday, the triumphant entry, the triumphal entry. Now, when we were in Jerusalem last year, our leader, teacher, Dr. Charlie Dyer, uh, was with us. He was our spiritual guide What a blessing Dr. Dyer is. Just this last Wednesday, I I called him and uh, talked to him about the path that Jesus actually took down from the Mount of Olives into the Kidron Valley, uh, or perhaps there was a bridge there, we're not not quite sure exactly, and then up to what we believe, we believe he went through the Eastern Gate into the city of Jerusalem near the temple. Dr. Dyer has written a neat devotional book um, entitled 30 Days in the Land with Jesus. And on day 24 in this book, he, uh, he describes, he imagines what, what it would be like to be in a crowd with Jesus on that long anticipated day. With your permission, I'd like to read an excerpt from this book to you about that. 
fateful, long-anticipated Palm Sunday. We begin, amazingly enough, at the village of Bethany, where Jesus had wept over the grave of Lazarus just a few short months ago. As the crow flies, Bethany is about a mile and a half from Jerusalem, and before we're done with this hike, we might wish we were a crow because the road from Bethany to the top of the Mount of Olives is very steep. And just a few hundred yards into our hike, our calf muscles are beginning to tighten up. Our breathing has become labored. And it dawns on us that most of the artistic representations of Jesus have it all wrong. Uh, He was no wimp. We're struggling to keep up as Jesus and his disciples stride quickly up the road. Suddenly, two disciples pick up the pace, half walking, half running to the village just a few hundred yards ahead. We hear the report rippling back through the crowd. Jesus sent them ahead into the village. He said that they'd find a a donkey there, and he asked them to untie it and bring it back to him. Some in the crowd wonder if perhaps Jesus is getting tired. But no, Jesus is about to fulfill a prophecy by Zechariah about Israel's Messiah. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus knows a colt will be tied up and waiting. And his decision to ride into Jerusalem on that colt is not for his benefit, But for the benefit of those in Jerusalem, it is a sign that identifies him as the Messiah, the promised king. The cult arrives. Some of the disciples remove their coats and place them across the back of the cult for a makeshift saddle. Still other disciples began throwing their coats along the pathway, forming a carpeted walkway for this royal procession. As we get closer to the summit of the Mount of Olives, the crowd swells in size. Some follow the lead of the disciples and throw their coats across the road. Others strip palm branches from nearby trees, hoping to blanket the pathway in a carpet of green. The joyous procession takes on a life of its own as it begins the descent now down the Mount of Olives towards Jerusalem. You're no longer out of breath, but you still must pay close attention to the walkway. The palm branches now are hiding both rocks and ruts in the road. The crowd has grown into a massive throng. Someone starts quoting Psalm 118, a psalm looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. And soon the whole throng seems to be shouting this psalm in unison. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You push your way forward. Finally catching up to Jesus, you turn to look look him in the face hoping to make eye contact, to connect with him in a way that allows you to share in this incredible time of celebration and triumph. You want to see it all through his eyes. But you discover that Jesus is sobbing uncontrollably. Luke describes the scene this way. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it. And he said, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from you. The word for weeping that Luke uses here is not the one that he used 
that John used in John eleven thirty five in the shortest verse of the Bible, Jesus wept, which seems to indicate a, a quiet time of tears. No, the word used by Luke here describes uncontrollable sobs of sorrow. But why is Jesus weeping while everyone else is so excited? Jesus is crying because as God, he knew the hearts of the people and he knew the future. In just five days, this same crowd, now welcoming him as king, would shout to Pilate, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. Jesus could also see the coming destruction of Jerusalem that would take place because they did not recognize the time of their visitation. The surging crowd snaps you back to reality. The people are passing you on their way down the mountain. They're so wrapped up in the moment that they haven't even bothered to look into the eyes of the one they are supposedly honoring. They are so busy celebrating the coming of the miracle worker that they fail to notice his tears and sobs. Matthew tells us that just two days after this event, Jesus will deliver another final lament over the city. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I have wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you, from now on, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's from 30 Days in the Land uh, with Dr. Charlie Dyer. And I'd like to thank Rhonda for going home and, and getting my message. Thank you so much, sweetie. And thank you, Anna, for printing out, uh, printing it out here. All four Gospels, and, and by the way, the Gospels are first-hand eyewitness accounts of what happened. All four Gospels share the details of the triumphal entry or the triumphant entry, which happened on Palm Sunday. All four Gospels record Jesus and what happened on Palm Sunday. It seems to be a happy day, a day of great anticipation. The long-awaited Messiah has come to deliver us. We associate Palm Sunday with happy anticipation. I remember fondly the many years that we've celebrated Palm Sunday uh, here in this location and in other locations uh, as the Lord gave us space and how the children would wave the palms and they would say, Hosanna. Palm Sunday seems to be a happy anticipation day. But did you catch... That and what I just read by Dr. Dyer. Did you know that Jesus wept over his people in his city on Palm Sunday? For Jesus, Palm Sunday was a day of anticipation. But it was a day of sad anticipation. A day of dread. Because Jesus knew what lay ahead. He knew what lay ahead for himself. He knew what lay ahead for the people. He knew what lay ahead for the city of Jerusalem. His disciples did not know. In the fourth gospel, the 12th chapter, the 16th verse, the beloved apostle John says, and please understand, 
John was describing himself. So in John chapter 12, verse 16, John says this, His disciples did not understand these things at first. However, when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. No, the disciples did not understand what was going on. They didn't even understand why Jesus was crying. Now, the disciples knew the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And I remember just, uh, I believe it was on January 26th, when we had a message on Zechariah. We talked about this specific prophecy, building up to Palm Sunday, and then eventually Easter Sunday. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, hear the word of the Lord. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. No, the disciples did not understand what was going on or even why Jesus was crying, even though they knew the prophecy of Zechariah. But they didn't know yet that the Lamb of God would be sacrificed that very week. No, the disciples did not understand what was going on. And here we are. In many ways, we're just like them. Disciples of Jesus, and we don't know what's going on either. We may not know what's going on. Oh, but we live in anticipation, don't we? On this Palm Sunday, we live in in anticipation of next Sunday, Easter Sunday. Yes, we anticipate the Last Supper together, Thursday. The Agony of the Cross, Friday. The Silence of of Saturday. But then the Glorious Resurrection, Sunday. We anticipate Easter. On this Palm Sunday, we live in anticipation of something else too, don't we? We live in anticipation of the quarantine being lifted soon, we hope. Yes, we anticipate the freedom to move, the freedom to go back to work, the freedom to share a meal with friends and family, the freedom to worship together here in this building. We anticipate the quarantine being lifted. On this Palm Sunday, we live in anticipation of something even greater than the lifting of the quarantine. On this Palm Sunday, we live in anticipation of something even greater than Easter. Wait, what what did he just say? Maybe, Maybe we missed something. On this Palm Sunday... We live in anticipation of something greater than the quarantine being lifted, greater than Easter. Wait a minute, Brother Kevin, as Christians, what could be greater than our celebration of Easter? Yes, we anticipate something far greater than our annual celebration of Christ's victory over death and sin in the grave. We anticipate something far greater than the lifting of the quarantine. We anticipate something far greater... Actually, we anticipate someone far greater. Brothers and sisters, the King is coming. And we anticipate the return of King Jesus. With the psalmist, in Psalm chapter 24, verses 7 through 10, Lift up your heads, you gates. 
Rise up, ancient doors. Then the king of glory will come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Rise up, ancient doors. Then the king of glory will come in. Who is he? This king of glory. The Lord of armies. He is the king of glory. So we're going to celebrate Easter. And one day soon, we're going to celebrate the end of quarantine. But we have so much more to look forward to than these things. So much more to look forward to. We celebrate the coming of our King, King Jesus. We anticipate the return of the King. The King is coming. And my question for you today is, are you ready? Father, we look forward to the day when you send Jesus back for us. What a day that will be. And I pray, Lord, that we will be found ready. And so now as your humble servants, we ask, Lord, that you would strengthen us for the tasks that lay ahead. That we would always remember that your return is sure and imminent. And that we will do our best to tell the good news of the gospel to everyone we come into contact with. Help us to live our lives, Lord, as humble servants who are anticipating, hungrily anticipating the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the King of kings. Amen.